Hello, welcome to a special episode of the Big Footy Podcast. It's that time of year where the draft is just around the corner, and what better way to, to go over the draft with a fine-tooth comb than to get the experts in from AFL Draft Central, and are also Big Footy family members as well, DPS and Pi for Life. Welcome to the show, guys. Yeah, thanks for having me again. Yeah, thanks for having me for the first time. Pretty good. No worries. Pi for Life, as you said, you, were, you came on last year with Bishop. Uh, also known, we can say now, as Matt Barmer, who's made his way over to Fox Sports. Um, must be nice to have someone from your stable sort of move up in the world, and uh, it just shows how well-respected uh, your brand is. Yeah, yeah, well, we've got quite a few that have moved on to other things and uh, everything like that. It's certainly uh, really uh, well-respected amongst, uh, you know, recruiters and, and fans and clubs. So it's great to see, and, and, and the numbers have been showing that too. So it's fantastic, and we appreciate all the support. Absolutely. And we'll just go over a bit of a bio for both of you, just for those who don't know a lot about you and your backgrounds. So Pi for Life, you started the Bound for Glory News Rising Star program back in 2012, and you've been involved with scouting under-18s for six years now. Created mm. AFL Draft Central a couple of years ago as a standalone product. You've got 40 riders that cover all different regions and games. Now working full-time on AFL Draft Central, uh, which comes under the... Was it the ADSI Media this year? Which yeah. is a media yeah. agency linked with Rookie Me. That's a, that's a huge thing. Uh, and you've yeah. also got a number of part-time editors as well as volunteers and aiming to expand into other sports in the future. It's all happening yeah. for you. Yeah, no, it's really exciting and, and certainly teaming up, you know, with Rookie Me have been fantastic. They do so many similar things and um, it was just a chance email to sort of see whether we had something in common and we could link and, and um, Adam Damaschke, the CEO there, has been great for us and, um, you know, providing support and, and at the same time we can sort of support them uh, with promoting the word about young kids because they're just trying to get, you know, everyone into the sport and, and no matter what ability, you know, you can you can be trained by the high-level players. So, yeah, it's just been fantastic and really enjoyed it. And DPS, you've been working or doing weekly scouting for the last two years. Um, and this is your first year working for Draft Central. And you obviously got your own thread on the Phantom Board, which I had a sneaky look at over the last couple of weeks. And you've had an interest in watching the draft eligible players since 2010, but only started watching the games live on a weekly basis from 2016. So fairly fresh in, a, I suppose, a professional sense, but it's obviously been a passion of yours for a while. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Like, I've played, what, football pretty much my whole time. My family's always been really big on it. So it wasn't until, what, 2010 when I was, would have been, what, 18, 17, and I had a few mates that were pretty good at footy and wanted to see how they'd go. And ever since then, I've just had a keen interest in it. Okay, and um, so I'll start with you with this question, DPS. How many games per week on average would you go to or watch? Now, um, this year's been a bit of a mixed bag. I've got to go to a... Quite a lot last uh, this year with the uh, finals. Same with last year, mostly because of because I'm playing football still myself. So Saturday games, I wouldn't really get to that much uh, in case I had a buy. So it was mostly the Sunday games and hoping somewhere uh, in a local area. So probably probably a fair few, but nowhere near as much as Pete. Pete gets to that many games. It's not funny. You know, you sent us through a bit of a graph pie for life oh. about the games you've gotten to this year, which was quite remarkable. Um, how many has it got up to now per week? Well, well, I mean, over the course of the season, um, like it depends. Like some weeks, I'll go between one, uh, depending on where it is, two, up to. I have did go to about nine in a week when they were stretched over the the women's under eighteen champs on the Gold Coast. Uh, but uh, all up, I've sort of seen. Well, there's 108 games for the year, 
and 89 of them are junior football. So, yeah, from under 15s up to under 18s, yeah, about 89 games. It's a lot of footy. And when you go to these games, what kind of things are you looking for to help formulate your rankings? Yeah, so uh, you, you just look for something different, I guess, because there's always players that find the footy and, you know, can um, win a heap of it or they, they just they do everything right. But it's it's that eye-catching kind of ability that you're looking for, particularly in the top-enders. Like, you sort of see it each year with the draft. The ones that are mentioned in the top have some elite trait of some sort or or if they're not elite they're practically elite in some way shape or form and then once you're outside the say top 10 15 you've got a lot of blokes that you know they're very raw they've got some real talent they haven't quite fulfilled it and then once you're outside the top 30 you've got the blokes that you know there might be one thing there that recruiters see and they go I think we can harness this they've got something really about them um, and we think we can develop them and then once you get late in the draft, it's mostly like project players. Maybe they're just really fast players. They don't win a lot of the footy, but they're, you know, really quick or or perhaps they've got a huge tank and they're okay with skills, but, you know, they've got to build up other areas and, and that's sort of how it sort of goes. But um, certainly I go out and I look for elite skills and I sort of think, now, who can fit in? It, they may not have played well on the day. Like, I think, and, and I know... Uh, I think DPS will discuss him in his four. I forgot to write him down, but I know he loves RCD, uh, Collier Dawkins. So um, he's one that is a perfect example of that. He, you know, he might only have 12 touches for a game, but six of them might be unbelievable. And it's players like that, that, you know, that can break the game open, burst out of a stoppage, kick a goal from 55, that kind of thing, rather than someone who might have 30 touches and, yeah, probably 20 of them are all right, but they're not going to hurt an opposition. So My it's certainly... Looking. <laughs> yeah, well, he's uh, he, he wins a lot. Like, if you're going to win 50 touches a game then and you still have 20 that hurt, you're probably five more than most other players on the field anyway. So, um, but yeah, it, it's players like that that you really look for. And is there any other behind-the-scenes work that occurs that not many people would know about? I mean, everyone reads your threads, both your threads and the, the website and the Twitter feed and all that. Is there a lot of other work that happens behind the scenes to make that happen? Yeah, well, it's it's mostly just sort of talking to people more than anything. Like, it's it's talking to people. It's gathering sort of interest, uh, like, industry knowledge because I do talk to a few people. I'm not huge on say, you know, talking to every recruiter and all this kind of thing because I do like to – I'm very much a – I like to watch the games and formulate my own thing. And then often if I'm sort of weighing up with a few prospects, I might go, you know, to a recruiter or, or perhaps someone involved in the industry, hey, what do you think of this kid? Or um, I've got this kid about here. Um, am I crazy? I've, I've done that before with a couple. I'm like, am I, you know, nuts for having them here? And, and, and thankfully I've never had yes to that question. So, um, I'm quite happy when they've sort of said, no, no, I rate them about there. I'm like, oh, good, good. Um, but also with recruiters, you do take it with a grain of salt because if they're very keen to say, oh, I love that player. Yeah, we're definitely considering them. It probably means they're not. So, um, that's where you've sort of got to take it with a grain of salt. If they say, oh, this club's considering them then that's probably more true. So, um, yeah. So they kind but, of use you yeah. as sort of pawns in their own game with other clubs. Yeah, yeah. And that's what they're sort of hoping. So, it, And that's where you see, like, with the media, people release sort of little things like the whole Lukosius and, and Rosie or, or Rankine kind of um, a story that came out was something that was slowly drip-fed to um, 
I, I know Matt Barmer like was one of the first on and he just hadn't released it. And I know he copped a fair bit on Big Footy um, because it looked like he just copied them. But he was he told me probably a couple of weeks before it was even released, he was just sort of waiting for confirmation. And, and that sort of happens. A lot of things that someone will have a throwaway line and you're like, is that true or are you just trying to get me to release something? And you've sort of got to wait to hear from maybe a second source and you don't relate them, but if someone just sort of throws it out as well, which happened in his case, he'd heard a second source say it when they're not related, that's when you go, ah, there's something to that. So The old mm. where there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah, that's it. All right, we'll get stuck into it. We'll start off with um, both of your top 20 rankings as you've got it so far. I know you were saying before, Pi for Life, that you've had to make some tweaks even as early as just before we started recording this. So uh, a lot of stuff obviously changes day to day, so people just need to, I suppose, understand that these are the rankings as of now, and it may very well change by the time draft night rolls around. So DPS, we'll start with you first. What what do you have your top 20 draft player rankings as as of right now? Yeah, so usually I'll put mine out at the start of each each month on, on my own board and my, my one hasn't changed since since then but I have had a slight little change with one player which I'll go over soon. So number one, Sam Walsh. Number two, Jack Lacocious. Number three, Nick Blakey. Number four, Isaac Rankin. Number five, Ben King. Number six, Max King. Number seven, Bailey Smith. Number eight, Connor Rosie. Number nine, the one that's changed is Jai Caldwell. Number 10, Taron Tom. Number 11, Ian Hill. Number 12, Riley Collier-Dawkins. Number 13, Xavier O'Halloran. Number 14, Xavier Dersma. Number 15, Jackson Haitley. 16, Liam Stocker. 17, Bailey Williams. 18, Riley West. 19, Sam Sturt. And number 20, Chase Jones. And the one that you changed, what sort of things prompted you to make that kind of switch? Um... It's just the more I've thought about with Jai Caldwell is that he's had the injury issues, which have probably got a few people a bit wary on him. But when I look at past drafts and I look at even players in this draft in Max King, uh, the talent is there and he's shown the talent over a number of years. When he's on the park, he's a star. And when I think to myself, if he got to play as much football as, say, a Sam Walsh or a Bailey Smith, how far back would he actually be? And when I really sum up, his talent and what he can actually produce, I, I think, hey, he might actually not be too far off these guys. Fair enough. Good reasoning. And Pi for Life, what's your top 20 look like at the moment? Yeah, well, at the moment, like I noticed we sort of had the same top eight, which I think is generally uh, like in a different order, but the general consensus amongst most boards. Um, and again, this is sort of just on talent and um, I'm going to go with, obviously, I've stuck with him all year. So Jack Lacosius with one, Sam Walsh two, Isaac Rankine with three, then Max King at four, Ben King five, Bailey Smith six, Connor Rosie seven, Nick Blakey eight, then Jackson Haitley at nine, Taron Thomas at 10, Riley Collier-Dawkins at 11, Xavier Dersmer at 12, Chase Jones at 13, Liam Stocker at 14, Jordan Clark at 15, Jai Coldwell at 16, Sam Sturt at 17, Ian Hill at 18, Riley West at 19, and Isaac Quainor at 20. Okay, now you, you mentioned you're stuck with Jack Lukosh as number one. I read on your thread today that you rate you rate him as the best under-18s level player that you've ever seen. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Before, before this year, I uh, Petrarca was the one that I'd always had as the best one. Like, in terms of the two-year look... 
from like looking at him as a bottom major. Um, Petrarca was far and away the best bottom major I've seen have an impact. And Lukosius last year was the like topped him for his impact as a bottom major. And I know there's a lot of people that towards the end of this year were like, oh, Lukosius isn't doing much. You know, he's not, he's playing against men and he's done it all year. So I've deliberately, I've been weighing up between him and Walsh most of the year. And I like, don't get me wrong. I love Sammy Walsh and he would be number one in pretty much any other draft. And he's so tempting to put there because um, he will get picked at pick one. I'm pretty certain of that now. But um, Lukosius, just for a tall player who has been since he's practically 16, turning 17, has played in a senior league team, has just dominated. And then it's only towards the end where he's sort of quietened off uh, throughout patches in the year. But he's still, you know, relatively skinny to be playing against men. And I think that his best is another level to everyone else's. And I think that is the difference for, he does things that 196 centimeter players shouldn't do. Um, yeah, he's just, he's an amazing talent. And I've sort of felt loyal to him having him at one the whole year. And Walsh has pushed him the whole way. And if I could have equal pick one, I probably would because they're, they're good in different ways. If they were both midfielders, it's easier to compare, but it's harder to compare when they're key, key position and midfield. Do you share similar views there, DPS? Yeah, well, there's quite a lot of players that you could even think for pick one, just depending on the club. Like Isaac Rankin is a he's a special talent. There's not many players that can play like him. And the King Twins are just athletic freaks for over 200 centimetres. The things they can do are unreal. And, um, yeah, with me for Sam Walsh, it's I more look at the modern game and you, you see the amount of players winning Brownlow medals or the ones that are winning the Norm Smith medals, like you just saw with Luke Shuey before. It's the midfielders that are usually, uh, you can bank him in for 22 games and they're going to give you absolutely everything. And Sam Walsh is exactly that type of player. He rarely has a bad game. He's just an absolute class act, leadership personified. And I just thought he was a pretty easy choice for me for one, but I could see any number of those players being worthy of pick one because they're just unreal talent. Yeah, so I know every year you often hear media commentary about it. It's being it's a super draft, it's a super draft. But in both your opinions, is is that actually ringing true a bit more this year than other years? Well, I've sort of said it since the start. I think the thing is that the elite talent, like we're talking the top, say seven or now eight, is really unbelievable. I think it's it's rare in the sense that any one of them, as we just sort of said, could go pick one in a normal draft. Um, after that, like the rest of the first round is still very good. It's got great talent, um, but it's probably falls back in line with say a normal draft. So what happens is then if you've got to pick outside that top eight or 10 or so people sort of look at it and go, Oh, it's not that good. That's no better than last year, which is true. But the difference is if you're in those top eight picks, you're getting a player, if you've got even pick eight, you're getting a player that in most years is worthy of pick one. So that is the super part of the super draft. Um, I think after that, like the first round is still very, very good, and it's good for a first round. But I think compared, the whole draft as a whole compared, is a normal sort of draft uh, in terms of depth. It's no better, no worse, I don't think. Um, There's some very, very good players still available late, like any year. Um, But certainly... The top end, that top group, 
is as good as I think I've ever seen it, um, particularly coming into um, the draft, the expectations around that top seven, eight players. And does that then make this year all the more interesting with the live trading of picks in being for the first time with how good that top eight is? Yeah, it certainly makes it interesting for mine. And um, I don't know how live the live trading will be. It's worth keeping in mind. Like, I dare say a lot of it will be done prior to the night and they'll just telecast it on the night. Um, but I think it will be very interesting to see Adelaide of the team. I want to see what they do. Um, and I'm not quite sure. They might have to go to Gold Coast for one of their picks. I get the feeling. That's just my gut instinct. I think they want pick three. Because even during trade week, there's a lot of, I suppose, speculation on on everyone's part, really, that it kind of felt like the Adelaide and Port were really competing with one another to try and get that higher pick because of the two South Adelaide boys, um, or South Australian boys, should I say, that they really want to secure so they don't have to try and draft someone else outside of there for the go-home factor. So I think you're right in watching what Adelaide and Port do in the weeks leading up to it because yeah, there's some serious talent available for them in that top eight. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what we'll do now, and we did this last year as well, I've gotten you both to select four players that aren't necessarily in the top ten because we already know a bit about those guys, but other players who you rate as really good players who might slip outside the radar of a lot of other teams, um, just to give a bit more, bit more insight into them and, and their bios. So DPS, I'll start with you. What four players have you gone with? All right, so I've started with one of my personal favourites, which I've had since the start of the year, in Riley Collier-Dawkins, the inside midfielder. He's 193 centimetres, 88 kilos from the Oakley Chargers. So he played well in the TAC finals. So what stuck out to me pretty early on in the season, I'd heard of his massive growth spurt. He was, what, a 186, 187 centimetre inside midfielder last year, and he looked pretty impressive then. But when I heard that he's grown five centimetres, I've gone, ooh, wait a minute, this might be a player to really look at. And I think it was a game down at Frankston, absolutely terrible, terrible wet conditions. And he's playing in the midfield, and he's just picking the ball up like you wouldn't believe. Like the clean hands he showed in, in that midfield role really made me perk up and go, oh, yeah, we might have a player here. And his form during the year has tailed off here or there. The endurance has always been a bit of an issue and uh, just the disposal numbers, when you look at it, you just go, well, why is this guy rated as a top 20 prospect? But when you actually get to go live and just see the way he moves, how quick he can be and how clean he can be through the stoppages, you just think of what the type of player he could end up being. And he definitely showed that in the TAC finals where he was starting to really get a bit more of the ball, have a bit more impact. And he's getting a lot of comparisons to, say, a Bontempelli or a Patrick Cripps. But I think his style is probably a bit closer to a Clayton Oliver, where he's usually very dominant by hands, definitely favours that. He probably hasn't got as much faith in his kicking, but I don't think his kicking is as bad as he thinks himself. So the more he goes to use that, I think that'll probably help complete his game, improve the endurance and... He could be one of those players that you look back and go, how the hell did this guy go past pick 10? Sounds, and, like, uh, yeah, sounds like a steal for anyone who gets him. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that, that's, that's the thing. You've got to see, will he uh, ever get those get those numbers? Will he ever re- realise that potential? It's a very, uh, 
high-risk, high-reward type player because you don't know if he's going to be that gun. But um, from what I've seen, I'm going to I'm going to back him in to see to see that he'll make the most of that. So second, we've got uh, Jess McLennan from Central District, South Australia. He's a small defender, 183 centimetres, 81 kilo. So he's a pretty stocky uh, small defender, but he's very yeah very strong in the contest. Good good discipline. He does the defensive acts well, and he attacks really well as well. He's a very good intercept marker. Very clean hands. Very very assured with the ball. Um, his endurance is pretty solid. I'm pretty sure he got top ten for the uh, yo-yo test, and you can see that in the way he plays. Like he he reads the play pretty well. He runs off. He'll do the do the defensive work well. Um, he played pretty well for the Central Districts reserves. Playing alongside Jackson Haitley for a, for a time, and um, so he's got that, that bit of form, that bit of senior form as well. Um, as a type of player, he compares to probably like a Tom Stewart from Geelong. It's kind of tough to get a real gauge on what type of player he is because he's not an overly quick small defender, but he's one of those players that uses his smarts, can do a job on someone. He can be tough, and he can also intercept as well. So he's He's certainly a type I really like. Yeah, well, uh, small defenders are, are pretty underrated, I reckon, these days, especially with the way the game is being played. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and with his leadership credentials as well, he's just one of those types that I think coaches will just absolutely love. You can be assured that he's going to do a job. He's going to be strong in the contest. He's going to, and he's got the endurance there. He just seems like the type that will demand a lot from his teammates and. He's going to wear his uh, heart in his sleeve every time he goes out there. So and uh, next up, you got for pick three. Pick three, we got uh, Sam Sturt, and he's the big bolter from the Dandenong Sing Race. He's a uh, one eighty-eight centimeter, seventy-eight kilo medium forward. So he was a late call-up to the combine. So he was originally with the uh, state combine, but then they decided, oh, wait a minute, there's a few clubs. Uh, Wanted to get a look at this guy, and he absolutely blistered at the National Combine. He tested top 10 for speed, agility, and running vertical jump, which all are key traits to his game when you get to watch him because he's that Bailey Fritch type of player. When early on with Bailey Fritch, he was that medium forward, really good hands, good good leap, and just a really good mover, good left foot kick. So he's got that rangy long left foot, which... Every time he gets underwood, he's usually hitting a target. So his late-season form from the TSC comes from uh, school football where he really started to catch the eye. So he's a Peninsula grammar boy, and he was a pretty handy cricketer himself and apparently a pretty good batsman. And I believe he was uh, testing for for the uh, Australian team or some type of trial game later on for his cricket. So it's... Glad for us that he's chosen uh, footy, but it looks like he's got a pretty good uh, backup if he can with his cricket. And um, his form when he did play in the TSC Cup, it wasn't just about the hype. His actual performances were pretty decent. So when he was playing in the TSC Grand Final, he was really giving another really young, talented player in Isaac Quainer a real run for his money, and they had to move him off. But he's just got that that height and that leap, and he's pretty dangerous at ground level as well. So he's not 
not just your run and mark type of player. He can do a little bit uh, at ground level as well. And running out out of fifty as well, he's not your stay at home type of forward. You'll see him lead up lead up at the ball, t- take some marks on the wing, and some good contested grabs as well. Actually, so he's not just your even though with his light size, he can actually take a good contested mark. So he's got that long left left foot kick as well. So a lot of times he'll take the mark, turn and burn, and get a good kick inside 50. He's got a few tricks up his sleeve. Yeah, that's it. And that's the type of um, forward that, that you're after these days. You've got to have a few chips up your sleeve. A bit like Jaden Stevenson as well. You just can't be your one-trick pony, either take a mark or you're only a grand-level player. He's got that good mix, and I think that's why clubs are starting to really look at him as a top 20 prospect. Fair enough. And who have you got there in the number four spot? And number four spot's uh, a guy that's I'm probably looking at a bit later on in the draft, and that's uh, Tyrone Smallwood from WA in Claremont. He's 177 centimetres, 80 kilo. Played as a small forward in the champs, but played a lot through the midfield for Claremont Colts. Um, he got a broken jaw before the championships in a trial match, which kind of hindered his uh, his preparation for the championships. But his last couple of games in the championships were actually pretty decent. Did some really good things. Um, for the Colts, averaged 23 disposals from six Colts games. He then went up to the reserves, uh, played four games and kicked 10 goals. And then in the last game of the year, he got to play in the senior team for Claremont and got to play in their two finals along with uh, fellow high, highly rated gun Jordan Clark. Um, one of his standout uh, attributes would be his kicking. So he's, he's a player that got that National Combine invite and wasn't one that initially stood out to me um, in the championship. So I was going through a list of all the na- National Combine invitees and going, now, why did these players get get picked by these clubs to go there. So I went and had a look back at his footage and go, hey, wait a minute, this guy's actually got some pretty good kick- kicking skills. He's actually a good decision maker. So he may not have that 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 high size, that really exciting uh, speed and just wow factor, but he just looks like the type of player that will get the job done, will use the ball well. He's shown to be a good tackler, good um, good ball winner. And uh, going off his yo-yo test, his endurance looks pretty solid. So he looks like the type of player that could could fit into a role pretty quickly into at AFL level. Um, and with his elite kicking, I don't think he'll just be a, a good forward or um, midfielder. He could even be used as a small defender, a bit like how uh, Hawthorne turned Blake Hardwick when he was in the under-18s. He was just a, just a lead out of the square full forward, but then they turned him into a really good defender. So... There's quite a bit you can look at with Tyron Smallwood. Is he's got the kicking, he's got the decision making, and he's and coming back from a broken jaw, it looks like he's got the uh, mental capacity to get the most out of himself. And how, you mentioned you think he might go a little bit later. How late are you sort of anticipating him to to slide? So I'm I'm probably thinking oh, probably late in the draft. He may even be a rookie. Like I haven't really heard anyone talking him up that much. But when when you're a national combine invitee you're always a chance of going going high so if if you're going to the national combine there's enough clubs that are pretty killing on you so with smallwood you never know he may get that top 40 pick there might be a club that go wait we want someone who's ready to come in 
right now. He's got the size for it. He can play a role. He's a good kick. Endurance isn't too bad. So there's there's no reason why he couldn't go high. But from a lot of the talk, he's probably a late 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 draft pick. Sounds good. A very comprehensive um, wrap up there of the four players you chose. Uh, Pie for life. Your turn now. What four players have you gone with? Yeah. Well, um, I sort of have a running theme. I like uh, blokes that can kick and blokes that are really good, uh, good character outside of, uh, I guess, Clubland, because that's something that I think is really important to clubs these days. Um, players that not only are, are going to do you well on the field, but also off it. And I think all these guys, or, or certainly most of them, um, are potential sort of leaders of their clubs. And, and you know, and, and most of the feedback we get about these ones are, are really good good kids. Um, so I'll start with the probably the real... Um, you know, late kind pick. He's someone who I had in the top 30 originally, and I think he sort of drifted out to that third round or later. Um, it's Zane Barzen from the uh, Murray Bush Rangers. He's sort of a tall hybrid forward. Uh, he's about that sort of 193, 77 kind of, I guess, uh, measurements. Uh, the thing about him is, and the, the standout trait that he has is his kicking. Um He's one of those blokes that, for a taller player, has an unbelievable kick. Like, he can, like, 30-meter darts inside 50. He's able to turn pretty well. Um, His athleticism numbers are not good, like when he tests, straight line and all that kind of thing. But on the field, he is able to use it pretty well because he's got that composure. And you usually see it in smaller players, but he's certainly got that composure that he can hit targets inside 50 and... His production isn't what it probably needs to be at this point in time, and it and it's the fact that he's had a lot of injuries, and therefore his endurance is lower. Um, and the the player I sort of compared him to, and I know this is always going to have negative connotations, but I sort of compare him to a Jack Watts because the reason being he's a taller player that can kick really well, um, and he sort of can play up the ground a little bit if he wants, most comfortable up forward, but he sort of plays at half forward, so. Um, he doesn't play that key position role like he can, but he's better as that sort of half forward who leads out marks and then delivers inside 50. So he's almost like a, a smaller player in a taller body. So I, I think he's one of those players that will go later, but there's certainly a lot of upside with him. And he's certainly one that I quite enjoy watching and have over the past 18 months. Definitely keep an eye on him. Um, do you think... You're talking about how like the speed or straight line running wasn't his strong suit. Do clubs really sort of just think they can teach? It's easier to teach that or train that than it is the, the skill part of it. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting because there are some players that uh, do pretty poorly in those tests at the combine, and yet on the field you wouldn't know it. Like there are players that test over three seconds. Um, but they actually look quicker. Like Noah Answorth's uh, one who tested pretty slow in the 20-meter sprint, but on the ground, um, he's you know he's quite quick uh, comparatively. Where if you look at a, there's two examples: Tom McKenzie and Jai Taylor. They're very very quick straight line runners. Like they're 2.9 seconds, but they're not. They don't always use it on the field. And what you see on the field is more important than what you can sort of do. Um, I guess in a stadium because you've got to apply it to to I guess a game. So um, certainly testing isn't the be all and end all, and it's more the uh, the yo yo for the mental toughness that I, I think clubs look at. 
Fair enough. So, who have you got for pick two? Uh, the other one that I've got is uh, Chase Jones. Uh, he's a small utility, about 180 centimetres. He's, he, he reminds me a lot of Caleb Daniel, but and I can't say, believe I'm saying this at 180 centimetres, but a taller version of Caleb Daniel um, because, obviously, Caleb Daniel is quite small. Um, but Jones, the thing that sets Jones apart is the fact that he's both a fantastic natural footballer and he's an athlete. He's, you know, he's just, he can't, um, you know, he, he doesn't do too much wrong. Um, he's one of those players that, you know, can can lead up, he can, uh, you know, crumb, do do pretty much everything. He can run around, um, he, he's got great talent, uh, and the big thing that really stands him out is his character off the field. Talking to uh, some people from Launceston, which is his home club, he's one that really... Um, I guess, stands out and sort of um, is one that they say, if there's one thing that you can bank on, he's going to be a great character off the field. And he, that's, they say that's his greatest strength, which is sort of, it tells you what kind of person he is. So whoever ends up drafting him is going to get a fantastic character. So I think that's really important. Does seem to be a lot more highly regarded these days, the character. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. And, and a, a similar character that I've, I'll put in and add in as well is uh, Xavier Dersma, the captain from Gippsland Power. He's, uh, you know, he, he's another utility and he reminds me a bit of Luke Parker in the way that he can win the ball inside or out, go forward, kick goals, but he has the defensive side to him as well. And he's one of those players similar to Jones, a, li- a few centimetres taller, that is, uh, he's able to actually... Um, I guess, play nearly any role. And also the fact that he can, I guess, impact a contest when things aren't going his way. And that, and that often is a, is a really good, I guess, character building thing as well. And, and he, he's a really popular player. Every time we sort of mention him, like we did a profile on him yesterday and it's always one of the more popular ones because he is one of those kids that um, everyone seems to like, like you don't really have anyone who says a bad word about him. And He's another one like Jones who, you know, he's universally sort of loved by everyone. And coming from Gippsland, you know, there's obviously all the travelling involved as well. But, like, the thing that you get with him is the fact that he doesn't have too many weaknesses. Like, he, he's not – he's similar to, like, a Sam Walsh or a Bailey Smith. In His game is really consistent, but the problem is that he's sort of, you know, um, he's not as good in those areas. He's his kicking can be inconsistent at times because he can lose confidence. But as a whole, he's sort of very good in all areas, and he might just be below those players in those areas. But he he's very consistent across all all the areas as a whole. So is he another one that in any other normal year he would be consi- like ranked or considered a lot higher than others? Yeah, I think so. I think in normal years he's certainly a, a top ten player. He's probably in that. Or say twelve to twenty bracket at the moment, but he's certainly one that I think he'll be in the higher end of the the middle of the round one, the higher end of the teens, I think. But he's certainly one that would be higher in most drafts. Fair enough. And who was the, the last player on your list? Yeah, the last player on my list is uh, Kieran Briggs from uh, his GWS Academy player. So. Um, he's one that I actually really liked from the moment I sort of saw him. I didn't know anything really about him. I saw him down at Icon Park um, playing for the Allies there, and he sort of really caught my eye with the ability to, um, you know, mark overhead, use his body. He's 
you know, sort of 200 plus centimeters, one, you know, 98 kilograms. So he's a, he's a big boy. He's like a, um, he reminds me a bit of Jared Witts in the sense that he'll get down and tackle. Like he was probably averaging, you know, five, six tackles a game, which is remarkable for a ruck because not many do that. And I would sort of say like, maybe he's sort of that Brody Grundy he doesn't quite move as well as Grundy. And, you know, he doesn't rack up as many touches as Grundy, but in terms of, a wits, he probably is more similar athletically to him. So he isn't, you know, he's not going to be running 20 meter sprints in, you know, a sub three seconds or, you know, he's not the bloke that you're probably looking to, to run away from a pack, but he's the kind of player that he covers the ground extremely well. His endurance, um, while I don't have any testing results on me, his endurance is, you, you can just tell it's fantastic. He really takes a break. He'll rest forward occasionally, but he can ruck out most of the game. And he's another one who's a fantastic uh, sort of player. And we sort of mention about, I guess, clubs and all that, recognising it. Um, I think it's worth mentioning. I got an email from Kieran Briggs's dad the other day that sort of said, you know, we don't get much coverage up in uh, Western Sydney. It's hard to sort of promote. So it's just great to sort of see... Um, you know, you guys promoting the kids from up here and all that. And Kieran's really excited. And, he, you know, he knows that nothing's guaranteed, but he hopes he sort of um, gets drafted, which, you know, it's always nice to see. You don't expect it, but it's always nice to sort of get that. And it shows that sort of family and friends and obviously the players themselves are reading it as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, like you said, there's definitely never any guarantees, but, I mean, all they can do is put their best foot forward. Another comprehensive yeah. overview of the four players. Thank you very much for that. Um, I mean, outside of those eight plays that you guys just named, would you say there's any other sliders or bolters that have started to sort of show up in the last few weeks um, or, or anything like that? Um, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you go first, Pete. Yeah, for sure. Um, so for me, I think the sliders, and we sort of mentioned it, it's the, the well-publicised one is Bailey Williams, obviously. Um, he's still a chance to go late first round. I sort of rate him in that first round on talent. He sort of slipped a little bit of late because um, he can be inconsistent at times, but athletically he's fantastic. And I think we saw Sam Hayes slide last year quite far, but Williams and Hayes in terms of athletic ability is, you know, it's completely on the opposite end of the scale. So I can't see him sliding to 53. I know that that's what sort of Cal said and all these Hawthorne fans got really excited. I, I mean, if he slid to 53, I would be amazed. I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible, but I'd be very, very shocked. Um, and the other two that I have sliding, I think Ned McHenry, just purely on his size, I really like him as a player, but purely on his size, I see him sort of sliding down to those maybe mid-late 20s kind of region. And the other one for mine is Curtis Taylor, who I've sort of had up and down all year. He's a bit like a yo-yo, but he's one that I had inside the top 20 and now he's sort of outside and sort of in that mid 20s maybe 30 bracket and it's hard to sort of read him he, he's got plenty of upside but he's just got to get the production and the consistency to go with it yeah i'd have to be i have to agree with pete with a lot of them um curtis taylor for one he's one that's kind of dropped off my radar mostly because i can't really find a defined position for him so he's mostly played as a forward going for the midfield but he hasn't really made either one he's main role so that'll probably be the the things clubs will have to try and look at to make sure that they're getting getting the most out of him and the other one uh would be for me Luke Valenti even though his uh championships were really really good as a midfielder he probably doesn't have that athletic ability that a lot of other um coaches and 
recruiters would be looking at. So he may slide a bit like a, a Jack Graham or James Warple as those guys that already have that bigger, solid body, but they don't have that massive athletic capabilities with them. Okay, interesting. I mean, yeah, there's always some real good sliders that happen year on year, I guess, isn't there? And it just comes down to what clubs are after. And the what you were saying before, DPS, about not having a defined position is interesting as well. Um, and it's hard because something that the player may not be able to control because it could be at the mercy of what the, the team he's playing in needs at the time, I guess. Yeah, and that's why I brought up um, what, what the clubs want to do with them. Like, there, there, there might be a player that's playing out of position or they've been told to play like this or like that by certain other recruiters, but other recruiters might have a completely different um, idea of what type of player that, that guy could be. So, yeah, it's when, when a player just gets, gets to that club, it's usually if the, the player will do as much as they can, but it's also up to the club to kind of nurture that talent and see what they can really get out of him. All right, before we go on to doing the first round draft pick or mock draft selection, um, Tim Kelly, obviously from Geelong, was overlooked by many clubs for many years, and he obviously played this year in a super year. From your guys' perspective, was there any glaring reasons that you can think of of why clubs overlooked him for so long? Uh, yeah, go, Pete. Yeah, well, it's mostly... in. in it's always tough because I think it's... And this is gen- generically sort of a, I don't know, it sort of happens over in Western Australia, you see a lot of mature ages pick, uh, picked up because I think what happens is they've got, um, as a whole in, in Western Australia, they've got a lot of, uh, I guess, natural talent and they, they show lots of bits and pieces. And then often they sort of, um, because previously they haven't had a lot of access to, I guess, uh, top uh, level, uh, you know, um, playing at waffle level all the time. Some of them do, but not all of them as under-18s. Like, the majority of WA players, certainly until the champs, only play in the under-18s, where you look at Lukosius, you look at Rankine and Rosie and all them, they're playing against men from not only in the top age, but in the bottom, um, you know, in the bottom, I guess, group, uh, you know, they're, they're not as, I guess... I don't want to say prepared, but they don't play against men all the time. So you can see often a lot of WA players will come in and they'll play uh, maybe well early, but a lot of them sort of will come in and then they might drop out again and come in later in the system. And for me, I didn't see a lot of Kelly, I guess, developing, um, but he was always a name that I think you'd hear bits and pieces like, oh, he's got a bit of talent here. He's got a bit of talent there. He does this well. He does that well. And it was just sort of, I think, they sort of, with every mature ager, once you sort of get past, I guess, 20, you're sort of looking at them and going, they've really got to dominate because if they're going to come in, if you've missed out on them for so long, they've really got to do well. And Kelly was just unbelievably outstanding last year. And um, I think that's a, a big reason why he got selected. And and he's shown it this way. Like, I, I'm surprised he's had the impact he has. I knew that he, you know, he's ready-made. You'd hope he'd have that impact. But I don't think we'll see a first season from too many players anywhere um, like that, just because of his age, but also because of his he's ready. He's just come in. He's played against men. And sometimes, you know, players just aren't ready at 18. And obviously that, that was probably the case with him. Um, you know, whether it's life, family, um, anything else, uh, maybe you're just not prepared enough, you don't want it enough. It, c- it could be any reason. And that goes across the whole country, not WA. But 
um, yeah, he certainly had a fantastic season. He did. Um, and just one more question without notice uh, to DPS, I'll put it to you. Tasmania have been given the, the licence to come back into the TAC Cup from next year and then to gradually, I think, into the VFL in 2021, I think it is. How do you see that sort of sh- like shaping things, having Tasmania back in the TAC Cup? I think it's a really good initiative. Like You're just seeing this year, you're seeing heaps of uh, Tasmanian prospects really looking to dominate the draft. You've got Tarrant Thomas, Chase Jones, and you've got Fraser Turner a little bit later in the draft, and you've got a good history of um, Tasmanian players doing pretty well at AFL level. So the more the AFL can um, nurture these guys and get them up against the really best kids and the best talent to get the most out of themselves as well, it, it can only be a good thing. And for me, I think it's an absolutely brilliant initiative by the AFL to really get behind. Agree, and hopefully, I mean, I really hope it's... Uh a step forward to Tasmania having their own fully-fledged AFL team. I think that was the logical place to go initially. Uh, they obviously didn't. But, yeah, I think it's it's great to have the talent sort of recognised and be able to flourish down in Tasmania and actually get some recognition and some good pathways developed for the kids down there. Yeah, I think uh, all, all AFL watchers would be pretty happy with that outcome. Absolutely. All right, we'll get stuck into the last bit of the, the show with the, the round one draft selection which is easier said than done it's never easy to nail you know the whole first round but you guys have got better info than most so we'll see how you go how close you get uh so these picks were based on i think last friday is when i looked it up so i don't think anyone's traded anything since because i know you still can up until draft night um but obviously this will shift and change before the draft happens but that's okay so I'll just read out the teams and just yeah one by one and both of you just sort of suggest who you think that club will take so pick one, we've got Carlton. Pie for life, who have you got going to the Blues? Uh, I've got Sam Walsh. DPS, you're the same? Yep, that's it, same. I think that's pretty uh, universally accepted at this point. It seems you can pretty much lock it in. Lock it in, Eddie. Uh, picks two for Gold Coast, DPS? Yeah, well, I've got uh, Jack Lacosius at two. I think that's also a pretty obvious one to pick and... At the same time, you'd have to pair him up with another Adelaide boy, and I'd probably be looking at Connor Rosie for pick three. Yep, uh, Pie for Life, your picks two and three for the Gold Coast. Yeah, I've got the same Lacosius and Rosie. Uh, the other consideration for me at three would be Rankine, because um, I'm not sure whether the smoke and mirrors have brought up Rosie rather than Rankine, but I think, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Rosie for the time being. Is it a definite deliberate strategy for Gold Coast to make sure? If they do take one South Australian boy, they've got to take the other to increase the likelihood of them staying? I think it's a good chance, yeah. I, I think if if they trade out pick three, I think their choice will be very different. Okay. Um, and I think it'll it'll change their pick two as well. Because so. then there mm. wasn't there something... Didn't Adelaide come out or Port Adelaide come out and say that they would have no hesitation in, in pretty much poaching them back three years down the track or something like that? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's always a bit of fun and games, and I I think it's uh, it's worth noting, like it's worth sort of throwing them out there because everyone has a bit of fun at this time of year, and especially with Gold Coast, you know, unfortunately most of their good players leaving, and I I think they're in for a tough season, but um, certainly I think the big thing for Gold Coast is to get in leaders and players that will stay there, and that's the big thing. You've got to get kids who aren't afraid to move away from home, and and, and you know if that helps that way. But I wouldn't be drafting kids just purely to you've got to stay because your mate's here. So um, I'd, I'd be drafting the kids that want to stay, not just that. I mean, 
yeah, you, and they're clearly the particular Kosius anyway is the clear pick after Walsh in this scenario. But yeah, it, it's all it, all these things come into consideration. Okay, we've got St Kilda at pick four DPS. Uh, so I've got them taking Max King. I know a lot of uh, St Kilda supporters wouldn't be too happy with them going for another key forward, but Max King's just an unreal talent. Like he, he he's looking like your prototype. Joe Danaher, Tom Lynch, uh, Jared Cameron type key forward, which uh, really right up there. And he's done his um, he's done his ACL, but he's been doing his rehab at the St Kilda Football Club. And he's a massive Saints fan, so I don't think they'll have uh, too much problems keeping him for another ten years. And Pie for Life, who have you got for pick four at the Saints? Yeah, I've got Max King as well. So I'm. No, I know that's where we're going to be the same. And I think that's generally where it's sort of hat, like sort of at. And then I think after this, this is where I'm going to, I think, yeah, DPS and I are going to definitely change. We're not going to have the same after this. So. All right, well, pick five, Port Adelaide. Who have you got, Pie for Life? I've got Bailey Smith. So I think, and I know pretty much every Adelaide or South Australian person is going, What? with, you know, Rankine on the board. Um, yeah, I'm not sold on this. I'm definitely not sold on it, and I think Rankine would certainly be one that they come into consideration, and I think there's every chance they might pick him at the end of the day, like replace Wingard, and they may well trade the pick. But I get the feeling that you they've lost, you know, a couple of midfielders, and, you know, they're looking for a special talent to lead their way, a good leader in there as well. They can always do with another one. A bit of help for Ollie Wines. I know they've drafted a few young kids in the last few years with inside ability. But, yeah, it's just something about Smith that continues to, uh, I guess, I, I, I reckon they're going to really consider him. If if Max King slides, then he's another one. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to go with Bailey Smith and don't hate me, Port Adelaide fans. <laughs> <laughs> and DPS, who have you got for pick five? Oh, I think I've got the obvious one there in Isaac Rankin. Um, he's just an unreal talent, and I just can't see Port trading up and not getting one of the most talented South Australians that have been in the draft for a while. Fair enough. Uh, Gold Coast with pick six, DPS? Um, I've got them bidding on Nick Blakey. I think uh, Nick Blakey's uh, far too talented to go get a bid anywhere past this. I'd even having getting bid on by St Kilda, but I think Gold Coast around here probably seems about the right spot. Even Port Adelaide have been known to make bids uh, pretty early, so he could get one around there. But he's just an unreal talent. He even he's 195 centimeters, but uh, he played for the midfield in one of the later games in the championships and blitzed it there as well. So the sky's the limit for Nick Blakey. And Pie for Life, what have you got down for the pick yep. six? This is the one that I think is going to floor a lot of people, including DPS. I've gone with Jai Coldwell at pick six. And I know that's going to come as a shock, but that's one of the little tidbits I've heard today that there is that Jai Coldwell is apparently a top 10 lock and that there is at least one club in the top five that is weighing him up. So... I'm going to put him at pick six because Gold Coast are looking for leaders. And if Bailey Smith is there, I think they'll take Bailey Smith. Um, And they'll probably maybe consider Hatley as well. 
Um, they might even consider Rankine to go for all three South Australians. But I've gone with Coldwell as a bit of the, I want to sort of get in first in case there's something that comes through that says that he bolts up even further than he has. So I'm going to go with Coldwell and see what happens there. See what happens there? Good bit of information. That's a definite watch this space. Uh, the Bulldogs with pick seven, Pie for Life. Yeah, I've gone with Ben King. Um, I know every Bulldog supporter wants a small. I just can't sort of picture they don't take Ben King if he is on the board. There's Rankine on the board in my eyes still, um, but and, and I think they would consider him as well. But at the end of the day, talls like Ben King don't come around that often. And I've just got him at pick seven because... Right now, I think, you know, they've lost Adams. They've lost Roughhead. I know Roughhead probably wasn't their best 22 by the end of it. And Adams was, while he was good, he was in there. He he, he probably isn't a huge, huge loss. Um, but Ben King, I think, will just lock them up, look really good, um, you know, in attack uh, or defense, wherever they want to play him. Um, and, yeah, I, I, that's why I've got him at pick seven. But they're another team, I think, that could be, you know, they might look to trade. They might go to Adelaide. Hey, Adelaide, do you want to guarantee, say, a Rankine potentially? Um, and they might actually get a pick out of Adelaide to jump up. It's only one pick more, but that's where the live trading comes in. They might go, we're going to pick Rankine. Um, how much do you want him? So, And that's what makes it interesting. And DPS, who have you got for pick seven for the Bulldogs? Well, uh, with the bid, it's... We've still got Gold Coast, so I think I'll get both of them out of the way. But for Gold Coast's last pick, I would have had him going Bailey Smith, just as that real leader-type player and good midfielder who I feel will probably try and get the best out of himself going up there. He might even be good for retention. But also for the Western Bulldogs, I've got them taking Jai Caldwell. I think they could uh, add a, he could add a lot to their midfield depth um, at full fitness. So I think he's one of the better midfielders in the pool, so... I think he's a really good fit for the Bulldogs. Pick eight, Adelaide Crows, DPS. And uh, that's where I'll go with another bid, and I think I'll have that Taron Thomas bid. Uh, he's also another player that was in the top 10 vicinity for most of the year. A few had dropped off him a bit later in the year. They weren't a big fan of his championships, but I thought it, I thought that was solid. I thought his championships were solid. Coming back for Tasmania after that, he was okay, but... When it got to final time, and even in the grand final, I believe he kicked a couple of goals and was one of the best players playing senior football. So uh, the talent is still there. I still think he's absolutely a, a top 10 worthy player. And Pie for Life, who have you got for pick eight with the Crows? Uh, I've got them bidding for Blakey. Um, it's a bit of a guess. It could have been the Bulldogs, um, to be honest, and they were probably the ones I originally had. Could have been Gold Coast. Um, I agree he'll be somewhere in that top 10. Uh, and, of course, Sydney will be very quick to match that. So that won't be a problem. Um, and once they've matched that, it'll be Adelaide on the clock again. And as much as Port Adelaide fans will hate me right now, Adelaide fans are probably going to be loving me because I've somehow, and I can't believe it, I don't agree with it, but it somehow happened in my list, um, Rankine getting to them with that pick. Um, I'd like... It's very. I'm very torn with this because I don't agree with myself, but I, you know, I can't help it. The way that I sort of have have worked it out. Um, there's every chance he goes pick five potentially, but right now in my list, I've got him getting to Adelaide, which is remarkable in itself. But I think that either the Gold Coast or Bulldogs will play funny buggers with Adelaide, maybe even Port. So it'll be interesting to watch that space. 
All right, and DPS, I didn't get your... So if the bid is matched, who would Adelaide then go in your in your pick? Well, with the players I've got left, I think they take Jackson Haitley as the next best available South Australian talent. He'll just add another element to their midfield depth. Like, they've, they've got a pretty good midfield already, but they've also got quite a few Victorians that play there, so at least they've got a midfielder in Jackson Haitley that they will have no problem with retainment. And pick nine, GWS. Who have you got for them, DPS? Oh, well, isn't one I, I also can't believe has slipped this far in Ben King. There's every chance he can go top 10. He's absolutely a top 10 prospect. I don't, I couldn't see him going outside the top 10 in most other drafts. But for GWS, I think they just pick best available here. He's just far too good to, to pass up at this point. And Pi for Life? Yeah, I, I really hope Ben King doesn't go 11 because Hedge Fund on Bigfooty said he's going to do a nudie run down uh, Bay Street, which <laughs> I have to drive past every day. So please don't go at 11. Thanks. Um, but I'm going to go with uh, Riley Collier-Dawkins at 11 because GWS just have this, I guess, ability to pick players that they can see upside in. And I think that he's really a GWS pick. I think he's a Geelong pick as well, but he's on the GWS get the first chance at him, and I think they're going to take him because he's a bit similar to, I guess, Bonner last year, where you, you, you're not drafting him on now, you're drafting on him what they could be, and I think he's a very, very good uh, pick 11. Okay, and we've got Port Adelaide up again. Yep, um, I've gone with Hatley uh, for 12, Jackson Hatley, so they, um, they pick up a South Australian there, and I think he's very good value at 12. He's He's not as spectacular as some of the others, but he's very consistent and um, he's going to slot in very nicely to that midfield. And if you pick up Bailey Smith and, and Jackson Hatley, as I've sort of got here at the moment, um, that's two inside midfielders and, and they can play outside as well. They can just slot straight into the midfield if they wanted to. They're ready-made. They're, they can just go straight in there. Um, they can play around the ground as well. Smith could play as a you know a defender if they liked and... Yeah, I think they've got two ready-made players, and that's what they really need, I think. They're looking to the draft, but they're getting some ready-made young kids. And DPS, who have you got for Port? So for Port, I've got Jordan Clark. I think now that they've got Isaac Rankin, you're adding Jordan Clark, and that's a whole ton of speed and run and attacking flair that the Port Adelaide side, they just love. That's the way they like to play their footy, and I think those two players really complement that. With the uh, with guys like Pollock and Pittard leaving, I think... Jordan Clark could even probably come in and play senior football pretty early off a halfback flank or even a wing. And I've and the way it's looking, he's probably looking like a in the top ten mix. So I think this is probably around the spot he'll probably go. All right, then GWS and next up uh, DPS. Who have you got for the Giants? So after the Giants picked a Sandringham boy in Ben King, I think they'll go another Sandringham boy in Liam Stocker. Um, he's just one of those inside mids that's tough. He's got leadership credentials written all over him. And I honestly don't think he's going to be the top player that will be coming back anytime soon. I think if you get Ben King up there, you've got Liam Stocker up there. It's got uh, a lot of Sandringham boys up up in Sydney and GWS. So you've got Florin over in Sydney. You've got, um, uh, who's the other fella? Uh, Tim Taranto, that's right. He's also with GWS Giants. So... I think they'll have a good chance of retaining him, and he he probably fits in around this area anyway. And Pie for Life, who have you got for the Giants? Yeah, I've gone with Chase Jones. I get the feeling he's one of those that um, will probably go higher than a lot think. I've, I haven't ruled him out for top 10 as well, which is interesting despite his height. 
Um, but yeah, I've got him sort of slotting in there. Again, he's a top leader and he's someone that I think they can build a club around. He could be a future captain. Um, he can play anywhere. I just think he's someone that GWS would love to get in. And yeah, I think that's about his range at 13. Next pick, we've got Geelong. Who have you got for them, Pie for Life? Uh, I've got them bidding on Taron Thomas. And I agree, Taron Thomas is a top 10 talent. Uh, I just think with bids, they sort of come a little bit later than you think. But I think Stephen Wells would go here and go, nah, enough's enough. And they'd bid on Taron Thomas. North Melbourne, again, like Sydney before them, will go, yep, thanks very much. We're going to take him. Uh, and then Geelong, doing as Stephen Wells does, picks out a Geelong special and goes Sam Sturt. I've got. I think that's a very, very Geelong pick. Um, all upside, uh, unbelievable athlete, um, great forward. I think they need something extra in the forward half. A lot of their midfielders go play forward, and um, you know they they rely a bit on Tom Hawkins down there, and they've sort of tried a few different things. I think he just adds a different element. Um, so he, he's definitely different. Now they've got Delhouse in there. Um, I think he adds a real dangerous element to that forward line. With regards to North Melbourne matching, I don't know if I've read this right, but I haven't seen their name pop up for a pick until about the late second, early third round. How, how do they accumulate enough points to be able to match? Yeah, so they calculate them all together. You get a 25% discount or a 20% discount uh, on your pick. Um, so basically they work out if you get picked at a certain pick, that's how many points it's worth. They give you the discount and then they take off the points that you already have accrued. So they'll calculate all your points up from all your draft picks, and then they'll work out, okay, will it cost them, say, two picks in the 20s to secure him? Yeah, probably. Um, Or it'll take one, and then the other might drop down to pick 50, for example. So they do that on the night. They work it out. They'll have all the plans in place, so they can easily go, all right, this is what happens. And they say that to the club on the night. This is what will happen. You'll drop down to this pick. Do you accept? And most of the time they go, yep, no worries. So... Um, and that's what will happen. And North won't have a problem matching. They're not the club that I'm uh, worried about getting the points to match. But even if they don't get the, the points to match, they just go into deficit next year. So it's not a okay. huge thing. And DPS, who have you got for the Cats? Yeah, I agree with um, with Pete, how Geelong are usually picking up some type of special player. They're never picking the player that you expect them to. And I have them picking Xavier O'Halloran. He's a Western Jets inside midfielder who's... Leadership personified. He even got the uh, Vic Metro captaincy ahead of uh, highly rated captain of Sandringham, Bailey Smith. So um, there's obviously a lot to like there. He's absolutely tough as nails. He he make, makes his teammates uh, play that little bit extra. He's could probably start his start his career as probably a, a pressure forward, which he could probably easily do. He's got the uh, physical traits as well. He's elite for speed, elite for agility, really good endurance. So uh, disposal numbers haven't been as high as most other midfielders, but I think for pure impact, I think he's a type of player that they could help develop uh, pretty early on next year. And if Tim Kelly decides to go, they probably have another ready-made midfielder to take up over him in O'Halloran. And next up we've got Adelaide again. Who have you got for them? Now, uh, again, like Port, I think there's too many, I mean, not enough uh, South Australian talent to go at that point. So I've got them taking Chase Jones. So he's probably another one, like uh, Pete said, who's probably going to go a bit higher than people think. Um, He's just an absolute tough nut, can play back, forward, through the midfield. I think he's got one of the best tackling techniques of anyone in, in this year's draft crop. So 
I think he's just exactly the type of player that Adelaide would be looking for, just that guy that will get the most out of himself and can play in any position and pretty good value pick. And Pie for Life, who have you got for the Crows? Yeah, I've got Jordan Clark there. Like, uh, I'm told everything he goes higher. I've still got some doubts on him. I think he's a very good player and he's got good upside. Um, I'm just not sure where he slots in. Like, he could go as early as maybe 11 or something like that, but I'm I'm just not entirely sold quite yet. I really rate him, but I've got him sort of at 16 at this stage, and, and that, of course, could change. So yeah, Next up, we've got Fremantle. Who have you got for them? Uh, I think this might be the quickest name read out in the draft, and I think Fremantle will take Ian Hill because he's just a natural-born leader. He's a steal at that pick, really. Like we were talking, he was in the same vein as your Walsh and your Lacosius and all that, you know, 12 months ago, 18 months ago, because they were talking him up as a potential number one pick. And uh, and and now he's sort of slid out. He's had injury problems. He's sort of floated in and out when he has been there. He's had a lot of sort of issues, um, you know, getting on the park and playing consistent footy. Um, and that's been really disappointing. But there's no way his talent isn't worthy of a top 20 pick. And I think Fremantle would snap him up so quick uh, if he was there at 17. He might not be. He might get taken at 13, 14, um, which is entirely possible. But he's certainly a great leader and someone that will slot right in. And DPS? Yep, absolutely the same for me. Ian Hill, far too good at this point. Local boy, his talent is just unreal, like, when he's out in the field, you just see it with his speed and the way he moves and just the way he sums up the game. He's just an unreal talent. Like He's 175, cent- 175 centimetres, so he's not the biggest guy, but he's a type of player. Like You look at guys like Anthony Tip and Woody. Like, ho- height doesn't matter when you're that skillful and that quick and that talented. So, yeah, I can't see him going much further than here. Next up, we've got Port Adelaide. Who have you got for them, DPS? Now, uh, this, this is an interesting one for them. I've gone... Riley Collier-Dawkins, I personally think that Port right now just go the best available and he's the best available here for me. Port could always look to improve their midfield stocks um, and this guy is someone they could slowly develop and maybe just see what else they can do with him because the sky's the limit for a player like this and considering Port have three picks in the top 20 or so, I, I can see them going after a player with a lot of upside. And Pie for Life? Uh, I've got Xavier Dersma there. I spoke about him before, and he's a terrific person, great leader. I think he slots in very nicely, along with their other picks that they've got. They're all sort of leaders, um, and, yeah, I think he's one that, yeah, they're going to snaffle up there. And Adelaide up next after Ports. A lot of uh, Adelaide picks coming very quickly. Yeah. Now, who have you got for the Crows there, Pie for Life? Uh, I've gone, I think they're going to bid. Uh, and bid on Isaac Quaynor at this stage. I'm not quite sure where Quaynor goes now because of, you know, when you drop your picks down, some people go, oh, yeah, will they have points or they're not. You're sort of out of sight, out of mind a little bit. Um, I think if they still had their first rounder, then clubs would be a lot more mindful and go, oh, let's, let's bid before them so they have to use it up. But now I'm not sure, so sure. I think he still gets a bid in that top, say, 25. Um, but I've got him going at this pick. And, yeah, I've got Adelaide obviously bidding for him, and then Collingwood matching, no surprises there. Uh, and then I've got him going for Zach Butters, who's an outside midfielder, small forward, very classy. Injured his shoulder at the champs, but he's got great upside, and and I really like him, and I think that uh, he's worthy of that pick, regardless of injury. Yeah, DPS uh, Adelaide for me, I have them going to different type of player in Bailey Williams. 
I just think Adelaide, all right, they've got their, their dependable guys in Chase Jones and Jackson Haitley. Now they're probably going to look a lot, look at a player like Bailey Williams, who's got really good upside, really good athleticism. Uh, unsure if he'll play as a ruck or a, or a forward, but I think Adelaide could um, really make the most of a, a player of Williams' talent. I think they've got a pretty good age age group right now of what the 25, 26, 27 year olds of like the Josh Jenkins and and your uh, uh, Taylor Walkers, but. Um, it's probably about time they go for someone who's got a bit bit of um bit of athleticism, um, someone they can look to work with for for a number of years. And for the most important pick of the draft, Richmond. Uh, I'll have him uh, bidding on Riley West here. Um, I just think at this point now, Riley West is far too good to uh to let slip anymore, and I see Richmond going for a midfielder anyway, so making the uh, Bulldogs accountable here. And now nah, that that's the uh, one I'd be looking at. And after they've passed, uh, let uh, West go to the Bulldogs, I see them picking Xavier Dersma as that next available mid. He can kind of play anywhere. He's just a really likable person and the type of player that I think uh, Richmond would be looking at. And Pike for Life, who have you got going to the Tigers? Yeah, um, I've gone with Liam Stocker, who... He's another one like Rankine. I can't believe he's still on my board, but he sort of is in the sense that I think this is a, a player that can, he can that can drift potentially, but um, he could easily go ten places higher. Um, I've sort of got him there because I think he's a really good fit. He um, can play inside, can play outside. He can even play forward if you want him to. He's he's stocky. He he's good overhead. He can you know he's strong. Uh, you know, really good through the core. He's had some injury issues this year, but he's one of those players that I think is really talented. And um, I think that with time and, and development, he's got quite a bit of upside as well. And um, he's come from a long way back. He wasn't that fit probably 18 months ago, even 12 months ago. So it, it's great to sort of see him really push into that midfield. And when Bailey Smith's been out through school footy and, and through injury, he's really stood up for Sandy and, and really impressed. Okay, next up we've got Brisbane. Who you got for them, Pie for Life? Uh, I've got Xavier O'Halloran, uh, who I think this is about right. He could go in the top 20 as DPS at him, or, or he could even be a few picks later. Fantastic leader, great captain, someone you'll look to in the future to lead you. I think he slots into that like lineup perfectly, because obviously they drafted Cam Rainer last year, and they're both from the Western Jets. They'd be pretty close. Um O'Halloran is that guy that, yeah, you, you can rely on to just get the job done. Even when you're 100 points down, he's going to be trying, giving you effort. Um, and he's someone you need in a developing team. And I think he's someone who adds something to that, uh, I guess, outfit. He's not too dissimilar to Dane Beams in many ways because he knows how to kick goals, can play forward. He can play on the outside or he can go in the inside if he wants to. And he's got that quick few steps that he can really burn off an opponent. So... He's one I think slots into Brisbane really well. And DPS, who have you got for the Lions? Uh, I've gone for a very similar type of thing, looking for guys with a bit of leadership, and I've gone uh, Jez McLennan. Um, well, with, with, with Brisbane, like Luke Hodge, you'd think he goes around for another year, and he's been really good for the young back line of Alex Witherden and all them. And I think uh, Jez McLennan, with his leadership credentials and his just tough nature... I think there's a good chance of retention with him and he could fit into that uh, back line pretty seamlessly after Hodges made his exit. And GWS? 
So I have uh, them taking Zach Butters just as that real outside electric talent. They could always use some more uh, small forwards and good runners. Uh, Butters, you, you could expect him to get taken anywhere from, what, around pick 15 to pick 25, just depending on what type of player um, clubs are after. But I think GWS, this is the type of player that they'd be looking at. And Pie for Life, who have you got for the Giants? Uh, yeah, I've got uh, Bailey Williams William slotting in here. He's a hard one to pick. I don't know where he goes because with every ruckman, if you don't need a ruck, you're probably not going to pick him early. Um, I, I, I said it before, I don't think he's going to slide all the way down to 53, um, but I think he will probably slide a little bit and he'll probably be in that maybe 20s region. Um, maybe someone will pluck him in the teens, but I, I think he could slot into the Giants because they've obviously they've lost Lob now. I mean, Mumford's considering a comeback. That's how sort of, I guess keen they are to sort of have a ruck in there um and also obviously Patton having his injury concerns and whatnot and I think he's a different type of forward too like he can play that forward role and he's not he's more athletic than the forwards they've got so I think he does add a different element and he can ruck um he's really yeah he's a good uh good leader uh he's got to get some better consistency at times and goal kicking but I, I think he's someone that GWS will look to develop and the last club we'll look at is West Coast. Who have we got for the Eagles for their pick, Pie for Life? Yeah, um, so for the final pick, there's so many that I could have picked, but I've gone with Luke Foley because he's a local talent. Um, he's ready-made, 187 centimetres, um, big-body midfielder, can play forward, can play back. Um, he's just ready-made. Like, they missed out on Tim Kelly, and I, I think he can just play that same role for really cheap, really. Um Obviously, he just sort of slots right in. Um, and, yeah, I, I think he's one of the logical choices. You want to have your WA boys if they're if they're there and they're around the best available, and I think he is. So I'm pretty comfortable saying they'll take Foley there. Yeah, it makes sense. And DPS, who have you got for the Eagles? So I think Eagles are probably the toughest to really pick for. I mean, they're the premiers. You try to think, I mean, what type of player do they actually need? So um, I'd probably have to agree with... Uh, with uh, Pete, with the uh, Luke Foley decision. He's the local boy, um, really good midfielder, really clean hands, uh, pretty good mark overhead for his size. Uh, he's probably the top of player that's... He's still rather light as well. He's only 75 kilo, 187 centimetres, so there's still plenty to work with as well, and he could probably even come in for a few games. So he probably looks to bolster their already pretty decent midfield. All right, well, that's a fairly comprehensive walkthrough of the, the first round. It might have gone a touch over with all the bidding and all that kind of stuff, but uh, exceptional insight there into where you guys think players might end up and who might take who. And, yeah, it's just interesting to have the, the differ of opinions. And um, hopefully hopefully one of you's nail it all. It'd be uh, good bragging rights in the office, no doubt. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, and both of us will no doubt change as we hear different little things here and there and, you got to work out. There's so much that goes around. You got to work out what's true and what's a bit of smoke and mirrors. So that's that's the main thing, I think. And once you can sort of nail that down by draft night, you've got a pretty pretty good idea, I think. Absolutely. Well, I can't thank you both enough for coming on DPS and Pi for Life. It's been an absolute pleasure having you guys on. And for anyone out there listening, please make sure you do follow the AFL Draft Central guys on Twitter, on Facebook. Uh, check out their website; it's always being updated. There's profiles coming out every day of the players who are about to get drafted. So as you can tell, they're very thorough, they're very in-depth, and they love what they do, and they're very good at it. So uh, thank you so much again, guys, for coming on. Really appreciate it. 
No worries. Thanks for having us. Yeah, Guys, thanks a lot, mate. Enjoy the lead up to the draft, and hopefully it's not too much of a nightmare, and you'll be able to sit down, relax, and enjoy watching the picks unfold. Yeah, no worries. Look forward right. to it. Thanks heaps again, guys. No worries. Cheers. Cheers, mate.